October 30th, 2020 newsletter unlocked. Hello everyone. This week has been awesome. My mom and I returned some cans that we had since the beginning of quarantine and had the idea to ask if anyone had empty pop cans to donate so we could return them and earn money for our trip. A few people responded and even picked up some cans from their friends to give to us. Some very kind people have also sent my mom and I money to put towards our trip, for which we are very grateful. Today, I put some of my paintings up for auction on Facebook to raise support as well. Even this afternoon, someone from ministry called us to say thank you for something and ask how to pray over our family. She prayed for my mom and I and our trip. Over and over again, I'm seeing how God is providing for us and moving in people to support us spiritually and financially and continuing to give us the go-ahead for this mission trip. The story I picked for today is what I would call a continuation of the story told last week. Though it's not listed in the book as a continuation, I believe it is. The story shared last week has its bits of hope, but ends on a somber note. The story told today brings us back to the crematorium. God moves, and hope floods the scene. It was July 2016. Ebola was simply a bad memory and, for the moment, was defeated in Liberia. We had a team of 25 hope givers in country, and we were all headed to Child Survival Orphanage to love on some children. Then Hope's commander called, and we took a right turn, and the rest is history. I flashed my lights at Jonathan, our driver, as I was driving behind him. He pulled over just a half a mile down the road from our Hope Center. Like a police officer pulling over a reckless driver, I asked him to step out of the car. Jonathan is a good driver and was not driving recklessly, but is willing if need be. I asked to see him because I had an odd idea. I said, Jonathan, I want you to turn down the next road, the one that leads to the crematorium, but I don't want you to tell anyone. Just lead us there. We arrived and unloaded our team, and they were completely unaware of where they were. I myself was a bit unaware of why. But when God summons, hope follows. It was July 2016. Ebola was simply a bad memory and, for the moment, was defeated in Liberia. We had a team of 25 hope givers in country, and we were all headed to Child Survival Orphanage to love on some children. Then Hope's commander called and we took a right turn and the rest is history. I flashed my lights at Jonathan, our driver, as I was driving behind him. He pulled over just a half mile down the road from our Hope Center. Like a police officer pulling over a reckless driver, I asked him to step out of the car. Jonathan is a good driver and was not driving recklessly, but is willing if need be. I asked to see him because I had an odd idea. 
I said, Jonathan, I want you to turn down the next road, the one that leads to the crematorium. But I don't want you to tell anyone. Just lead us there. We arrived and unloaded our team, and they were completely unaware of where they were. I myself was a bit unaware of why, but when God summons, hope follows. I still remember the team lined up with their backs to the crematorium, like characters in a scary movie with a bad guy lurking right around the corner. I sat in the comfort of our calling, wondering how the unexpected Hope team might respond to the sleeping monster behind them. As I began to tell them about the location of their feet, Liberians began to gather at the sight of 25 Americans standing outside this shame-filled place. I wondered if we had gone too far and what response would be at our presence. Jonathan began to weep. As I talked, and I would later find out that his uncle was burned to ashes, less than 30 feet from where he wept. It did not take long to see that God had led us to this place, and he wanted more from us than we wanted to give, or even thought we had to give. Those joining our meeting and looking on our team as we spread out and prayed against the walls of the crematorium were some of the actual burners. The men who were promised kingly rewards and instead were sentenced to a life of disgrace. During the outbreak, fear swept all over the country. To slow the epidemic that was already in full force, the government of Liberia recruited to collect the bodies of the Ebola victims and incinerate them. This was culturally despised, and the people who did this were shunned and hated doomed to a life of hopeless shame. Their altered, scarred existence was created in this place. They had a story that no one could understand but Jesus. These broken, devastated men tentatively looked upon Hope's arrival, no doubt a bit wounded and skeptical. It was a sparkless moment that awaited a leap of faith. I had no idea, but the keyholder was among them, and he asked me if we wanted to go beyond the gates to enter the crematorium. All I answered with was, Um, no, that that's okay, before I was interrupted by Jet's leap of faith. He said quickly and boldly before I could give him my needless, disapproving stare at his rude interruption, Yes, we do. All I saw was Jet's back, leaving the scene of the crime, like a high school prankster knocking on a stranger's door, then bolting before they get in trouble by the confused homeowner. I laugh now at his boldness and his quick retreat. I felt swept over the same cliff by his daring demand as I looked over at the keyholder and said, Sure, if it's no trouble. As he went to get the key, I told the team they did not have to go, but a few of us were going in. No one stayed out, but I felt like most wanted to. I think it would have been wrong for Hope to stop at the gates of this hellhole, and 
Looking back, all were glad that they didn't let fear overwhelm faith. I remember thinking, the praises of the king will rise from the ashes of this place. And boy, did they. The powerful pushing of the church surged past those Ebola-created gates of hell. As clearly as this screen is in front of me, I can still hear and see those gates swinging wide open. I'm not sure what I expected to see, but what I did see took me by complete surprise. Almost perfectly centered in the middle of the now-entered gates was the brightest, greenest tree I had ever seen. Each leaf was fully alive in a place that held such death. Unashamed and boldly, hope entered this place, followed by those who had experienced its dark grip. The Burners We held service that day in a place that most would not think possible. Our hearts were opened as we worshipped the one who defeats death, singing as loudly as we could, It is well with my soul. We stood in a circle, the hopeless with the hopeful, together filled with awe at what God was doing. After our time, my wife Kathy sang the Lord's Prayer over the burners, and we prayed over them. Healing does not pick and choose what it heals and who it heals. This was a sacred place now, of hope, a place where things grow. It was a journey into the darkest of places where God showed himself as worthy, where he met some broken people and said, Yes, we can. Lift my name up and I will draw all men unto myself. Hope Story Pages 135 through 138, used with permission. There is a song that came out a while ago by Elevation Worship called Graves into Gardens. Well, let me tell you, in this case, God has literally turned this grave into a garden. God had a divine appointment with the burners who were hated and shunned. Because of the boldness of a man who decided to listen to the Holy Spirit and say yes, God was able to meet with the burners. He has brought and is bringing healing to the hurt and the outcasts. I've met Jet, the man who decided to say yes, and even stayed at his family's house for a night while on tour with a choir with GLCC's Promise. From all that I could tell, Jet is just your normal, everyday, ordinary man. What is special about Jet is that he said yes, literally, and then God worked through him and the rest of the hope givers. We can do the same. We can say yes and have the honor of letting God work through us and witnessing what he does. You don't have to go to Liberia to say yes. You can say yes right now, every day. As I prepare to go to Liberia and pick out some more stories to share, I'm realizing more and more how important it is that we let the Holy Spirit lead the way and obey Him. Please pray that God would train me now to follow Him and say yes, so that when I'm in Liberia, 
if given the opportunity, I can say yes. I will be praying for you all and that God would give you opportunities and the courage to say yes to him. Until next week, Shelby. Contact me at shelbyspringit911 at gmail.com or 269-539-8079. For more information, see hope2.org, hope2 on Facebook, and at hope2.org on Instagram. 